If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, welcome to the Full Court Press. Eric France and AJ Salveson here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. 106andthefan.com and the 106andthefan mobile app. Thanks for joining us on a Thursday, February 25th, 401, your kickoff time. Happy to have you wherever and however you are joining us. Uh, if you want to text into our show, we are happy to have you. 435-339-0321. Again, 435-339-0321 to text in. Love to get your thoughts, questions, concerns on the uh on the sports day that was yesterday, on the current sports events going on today, uh, questions, concerns, comments, whatever you got, love to hear from you again. Sportsing three three nine zero three two one. Sportsing, sportsing. <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> oh man, Eric France again, Aj Salves, and occasional uh, foodies like okay, you, like, okay, um, you know. Taste testers. So let's. Can we go through the uh, through the tweets that we got yesterday? I yes. Let us. So because it validates what I was feeling, and you were mocking me. No, I wasn't. Well, I well, I just feel like you were being a, a you know a little bit of a wimp. All right, you tech, you tweeted out. Which do you think is hotter, ghost pepper beef jerky or habanero pepper beef jerky? And obviously, obviously, these people have never had jerky in their life. You said, I got the ghost pepper, and it's still burning in my mouth. I think Audrey Sadly barely felt any heat from his. Well, that's because I took it like a man. That's why. <laughs> no, uh, I had it worse. John Newbold, ghost pepper sounds worse. Well, that's the key word is sounds. Okay? it you Okay, that sounds worse, but it isn't worse than habanero. Remember that. Dan ghost ha- pepper, because it like you become a ghost. It kills you. Dan Hubbard, by the Scoville scale, ghost pepper are many times hotter. Right, and um, Trevor Weller tweeted out what the Scoville scale is. How hot is that pepper? Okay, what is Scoville? I think like they somewhat. It, this is a made up scale. This doesn't. This even, is not a made yes, up it is. scale. Yes, it is. Because where's habanero? It's not even on Just there. Really small. <laughs> I have to make it bigger. Here we go. What? Just click on it. Um, so let's see. The ghost pepper is like way ahead of the habanero. Where is habanero? See, see, it doesn't even exist on there, there. which means that this is a made up list. It's a few notches below, but the ghost pepper is a made up list. Scoville heat units. The orange habanero is between 150,000 to 325,000. That's not even true. The ghost pepper that is so full. 855,000 to 1.4 basically 1.5 million. That's such baloney. That's not even real. That's got to be made up. It was burning in the back of my throat like an hour later. No, it was. It was not an hour later. I like you down stop. That whole bottle. You of water. are so dramatic. It, it. An hour later, it was still burning. I go to pick up my kid from like this uh, workout thing he does. He's like, Dad, do you have any water? Oh, 
Oh, sorry. I had to drink it all. Yeah, you took your kid's water. Was, <laughs> you know, we had a big concert. You want to make sure you were staying hydrated, and you took it from him. Shame on you. Um. Yeah, sissy. Take Anyways. it like a man. Whatever. Yeah, take it like a man. You were trying Did to... Did you see me? You were trying to excoriate me for, like, giving you the hotter one. Yeah. And I took and you the know hotter what? one. And no, you did not take the hotter one. Yes, you I did. You just couldn't handle it. You're Look, just not used proof. to spicy foods. We have the scale. Okay, wait. Do you have another ghost pepper in that little drawer of yours? I don't know. That's a good question. We'll have to go look. I'll go look. No, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you do enough snooping around my stuff. Well, I never is. snoop around your stuff. By the way, why do you draw so many pit- pictures of things, weird things, on your uh, notepad while in meetings? <laughs> <laughs> don't snoop through your stuff. Don't people, uh, 9315 text in, don't people with AJ's ancestors that came here from Middle East <laughs> eat the hottest thing on the planet? <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. And you know what? We can handle it, 9315. We've handled it really, really well. So ghost pepper is, would probably be just like a... If you get me a ghost pepper, if you have one in there, I'll eat one and not have to take a sip of water the rest of the show. Guarantee you. At least it wasn't Carolina Reaper, which is like... It's what? Way hotter. No. Okay. Do you have Cal- Car- Carolina Ripper in there? No. No. I do not I do not have a beef jerky with Carolina Reaper. Okay. If you have a ghost pepper in there, I will eat it. And I can guarantee you, Eric... I can guarantee. I think you I might have I another habanero, but I don't think I have another ghost pepper. What? Who did you give the other one to? No, there was just each one has like a different flavor or a different combination of flavors. Just, uh, <laughs> Colby or at Mountain Cranch. When I was saying, you know, which one is hotter, and he replied, "The Jazz." <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Which leads us to our next topic and our opening topic of the show. Here uh, on the Full Court Press. Uh, a bunch of final scores. Let's get through just a couple before we get to the Jazz. OKC over San Antonio by 3, 102-99. New Orleans over the uh, Pistons, 128-118. Uh, Miami beats Toronto, 116-108. Cleveland over Houston. Like, Houston, we have a problem. And it's a big one. 112-96. They got smoked by Cleveland. Uh, Atlanta beats Boston by 15, 127-112. Great to see Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum make the all-star team. Uh, and Golden State over Indiana, 111-107, which takes us to this game. The Utah Jazz, 114-89 winners over the Anthony davis list and the Dennis schroeder list Lakers. Utah Jazz improved to 26-6 on the season. They're 15-2 at home. Lakers are now 22-11 on the season, 13-4 on the road. Eric it was a good win, and I'm glad they won, but it's not a statement win for the Jazz. It's not a statement win. You need Anthony Davis, and you need Schroeder on the court. To beat the Lakers, okay, the Lakers squad, you got to have Davis and Schroeder on the court with LeBron. And beating him by 25 points doesn't mean anything? Doesn't. No. I'm sorry. No, and really, that's a lot of the, uh, the the stupid, ignorant chatter that's been going around Whoa, today. Ignorant. It's not is ignorant. that well, there has been definite ignorant chatter today that um, oh, there should be an asterisk. 
oh, it's cute and all, but Anthony Davis wasn't there. So, before we go any further, uh, Rachel Nichols today on her show talking about the Jazz blowing out the Lakers and how it measures how good the Utah Jazz are. We're going to start with the good news first and then we'll get to the bad news. So, here is where Rachel Nichols stands on these current Utah Jazz squad who are at now 26-6 on the season. So the Utah Jazz absolutely clocked the Lakers last night, at one point leading by as much as 29, and it honestly wasn't even that close. Afterward, there was a rush of people proclaiming that the game didn't mean much. LeBron James said, quote, this won't define who we will be for the rest of the season and for the long haul. And he is right. The Lakers are missing two of their five starters during a rough section of the schedule. And on the Utah side, well, even Donovan Mitchell has been reminding people that being good in February does not guarantee being good in June. Yes, the Jazz have won 22 of their last 24, but they also had a stretch of winning 21 or 23 back in 2018. And they still got their butts handed to them in the second round of the playoffs that year. And all of that is smart and reasonable analysis. But here is what is also true. If you have not climbed aboard the rolling, rollicking freight train that is the Utah Jazz experience this season, boy, are you missing out. This team has all the bells and whistles. A young superstar who's as inspiring off the court as he is on it. A two-time, maybe soon-to-be three-time defensive player of the year. The NBA's leading sixth man and one of the league's most crafty coaches. Despite having already played the toughest part of their schedule, the Jazz are not just top five in the league in offense, they're top five in defense too, which is saying something in a season where some other team's entire defensive strategy seems to be just rolling over and playing dead. Is it working? Are they gone yet? Anyway, that is certainly not the Jazz, whose connectedness on that end of the floor is pretty dazzling. Rudy Gobert, obviously the key there. Not only does he have tremendous instincts as a defender, we don't talk enough about the fact this man has a wingspan of nearly eight feet. Can you picture one of those giant Humvees in your mind? Yeah, Rudy Gobert's arms stretch wider than that, and not even just by a little bit. Good luck getting past him. (laughs) Meanwhile, no team in the league is better at smothering an opponent at the three-point line, and no team in the league is better at brandishing the three-ball either. The Jazz just set a record making 53s over their last two games. In fact, Utah leads the league in both threes attempted and threes made, spreading out and exhausting opponents so thoroughly they may want to start putting some cots and blankets in the visitors' locker room. So what is the steam engine that's powering this locomotive? Some of it is flat-out talent. In addition to the stars, and yeah, Shaq, Donovan Mitchell is a real one, the front office has put together a deep roster where guys like Jordan Clarkson are playing the best ball of their career and others, like, say, Derek Favors, have bought into adjusted roles. And a lot of it is also continuity. Yes, Mike Conley recently missed six games with hamstring issues, but as a whole, the Jazz have remained largely healthy. They've only played three starting lineups all season. Compare that to the Nets and Rockets, who've each had to play 19. And that continuity actually extends even further back. We all remember last year when Gobert became... Man, she can talk. She just keeps going and Good. going. I was like waiting you for get like, the idea. I was looking for a pause, and I was like, we're not going to get a pause, are we? Uh, 114.89 over the Lakers. Look, it's a great win for the Jazz. Well, it, no, excuse me. It's a good win. Not a great win. It's a good win. It's an expected win. They were supposed to beat the Lakers at home by, uh, they were supposed to, I don't know by how much. I want to put a spread on it. But they were supposed to beat him without Anthony Davis and without Dennis Schroeder. A loss Six to, or seven? Eight? I, I'm, I'm not, not going to put a number on it. 
Why? It matters. Because no, it doesn't it, matter. It, yes, it, it doesn't does. matter. A win's a win. Whether you win by thirty or you win by eight or by five, you, it's a win. You, no, you talk about they're expected no. to win. Yeah, uh, winning and then blowing them out without and Anthony Davis and how they did it defensively too. Without Dennis means Schroeder, something, Ajay. No, without Anthony Davis, without Anthony Schroeder, it doesn't mean anything. Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder, sure. Why not? Schroeder, Schroeder. Uh, it's 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 hard for and and then LeBron's been playing heavy minutes for the last five six games. I mean heavy minutes. He's so? tired. This team's exhausted, <laughs> and he's carrying the weight of this team all by himself. Coming into the year, we heard about how this Lakers team this year was deeper than they were last year. How much talent they have coming back. How they upgraded at different positions. And now all of a sudden, we're just. We're ready with a whole handful and basket full of excuses. It's not excuses. It's just telling you, like, the Jazz have, when they beat the Clippers, right, no Kawhi, no PG, no Batum. Two days later, they play the Clippers again. Kawhi, PG, and Batum are all playing. And guess what? Jazz didn't look that good. They lost by four, but they didn't look that, they didn't look that great. And, and the Clippers was... They, did, they didn't look that good. They lost by four. Okay, what? No. What hold, do we expect? What? I'm confused. Hey, no. If you play a, if you play a team that's a title contending team beating. with that kind of a roster, you should be able to beat what, them. I don't know what we're supposed to expect. Kawhi now. and PG not being on the court was a major difference to why the Jazz won. Sure. It, it matters not having the stars yeah. there. I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, it, look, the Jazz have beaten the Lakers, the Clippers, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Heat, and the Celtics in a span of two weeks. This is courtesy of StatMuse. Okay. So in the last two weeks, they've gone through the teeth of the toughest part of their schedule. One great team after another. Without what their have they stars. Done? Without their stars. Not, all, not every case. What have they done? Okay. If they don't have their stars, they should win. Okay. But it's how they're winning. They're winning those games by an average of 16.7 points. That's true. They're blowing them out. But that tells you how important those stars are to the team. Right? That tells you how important Joel Embiid is to the Sixers. That tells you how important uh, that Kawhi and PG are to the Clippers. That tells you how important Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder are to the Lakers. Let me tell you. Let me ask you this. Jazz Lakers with Davis and Schroeder. On the team and healthy, who do you take? I still take the Jazz. No way. Uh, Come on, can, Eric. Because they can, yes, I think Anthony Davis and LeBron James individually are better than anybody that Utah has. But I think when you look, those aren't just the two, only two guys. It's not a two on two contest. The Jazz can throw wave after wave after wave at you with great shooters and also a, an elite rim protector and a guy who's. A, is uh, one of the best in the pick and roll. And so who do you choose on defensively? So the Jazz can keep coming at you. Here's what I'm worried about, AJ. Is I'm worried about the Utah Jazz not being the Atlanta Hawks of several years ago. Not being the Milwaukee Bucks of just a few years ago. Those were two teams that, huh, interestingly enough, coached by the same guy. Um, but those are two teams who were incredibly good during the regular season. Blowing teams out, really fun to watch, a um, lot of talent. But when it came to the playoffs, they faded. So for me, that that's my 
I guess, lingering concern for this Utah Jazz team that they don't become the Atlanta Hawks of a few years back. That they don't become the Milwaukee Bucks of just a few years back. That they are able to sustain it and play well. Because that's the problem with the NBA. Is look, You can have a great stretch during the, the, the middle portion of the season, but it doesn't matter. It's what you do in the postseason. And we're starting to see more that uh, even a lower seed doesn't quite mean as much in the NBA because of the talent level that, that exists. So, look, I think we should be celebrating the, a Jazz win and how they did it defensively against the, the Lakers last night. How they did it offensively as well. Um, I think we also need to be concerned not to get too much ahead of ourselves because what they're doing in February is nice, but ultimately it matters what you do in June. So, uh, for now, look, let's let's enjoy what's happening. They are demolishing the top teams in the NBA. Yes, the Clippers at full strength made it difficult for the Jazz. If, if there's anything that's maybe a concern, if anybody keeps it close with the Jazz and get it into the into the clutch, if it's a, a few possessions uh, within uh, or within e- or between each other within the last five minutes, how well can the Jazz close it out? They've been in so many blowout games. We're seeing the the fourth string guys out there for the last three or four, sometimes five minutes. But if it gets to a tight game, does this does this unit does this Jazz team do they know how to close out a close game? Now, they struggled with that in L.A. against the Clippers when they were at full strength. They got worse. They got worse. Like, Donovan Mitchell tried way too hard to be that closer, and it's just not happening. Like, they're just keen on Donovan. He hasn't adjusted yet. It's taken too, like, they're, so, they're a great so team, and, either- and they, they have to win by a blowout because if it's a close game, I'm not taking the Jazz in the fourth quarter. So was that Clippers game a learning experience? So they know how to avoid that. Yeah, you could call it a learning and experience and be sure. better at it, or is it an indication of look? If you can at least keep them, uh, you know, within that uh, striking distance, if you can stay close to stay competitive with the Jazz until the final minutes, they don't know how to close out a game, and you'll eventually be able to pull away. Uh, got a bunch of text in two seven eight seven. Jazz look great. I can't wait for them to make it to the finals and then win it. It is going to be interesting to hear all the excuses on why all the other teams lost. Hopefully, the Jazz can get some credit and respect that they deserve. Nine three one five. How is this not a great win for the Jazz? Uh, what a they have never beat a team like that or yet with a better record. What do you do? Um, can ought to be more like Eric, who is speaking more realistic. I'm just speaking realistic for you. When the Jazz get to the playoffs, that's when they're going to have to face the best teams. Can they handle it? Because they couldn't handle the Nuggets last year in a, with a 3-1 lead. 9-4-6-3. Uh, when AD is out and LeBron is on the bench, the Lakers lineup on the floor is in the first percentile, meaning that lineup of Gasol, Harold Kuzma, KCP, and Caruso, or Horton, Tucker, or Morris, is the worst-rated lineup in the league by a landslide. They're awful. Cannot score. The Jazz starters in second lineup are in the percentile upwards of 98th. So it would be no surprise that we blew the doors off them. But, I mean, we've blown the doors off of 24 of the teams in the league. Shrugging my shoulders here. Yeah. And 2417, you need to take him up on the no water guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Piranhas tweets in. My guy Piranhas, what do you got? 
See, <laughs> I don't get you guys anymore. Piranhas, is Audrey ever happy with any team besides Boise and BYU? No! And I hate Boise and I hate BYU. Never satisfied. It's just, it looks, I mean, it's a good win. Don't get me wrong, but my gosh. Eric, let's calm down on the, hey, we're the, I mean, we are a, a finals contending team. Well, so it, it's somewhere, I, I think that people are caught somewhere in the middle uh, for some. Um, actually, uh, no, I take that back. They're not caught in the middle. They're either one way or the other. There's a bunch of talking heads this morning saying, um, one famously has been making a lot of noise on social media that's being retweeted a lot by jazz fans calling him a clown. Um, guy on first take that, uh, you know, like, you know, saying that the jazz are the sixth best team. Yeah. I've got that clip, uh, from Nick, Wright. You're yeah, going to like Wright. it and it's going to bring you back to reality a little bit, Eric. Uh, I, don't know I about promise that. You. So there's that extreme people saying it's cute and all, but it doesn't matter. And then you have others saying, look, this is the best team in the NBA. They deserve more respect. They're the, the top team for a good reason. All right, uh, let's take a break from the jazz stuff. We're going to go to Aggie Nevada basketball. And helping us to get to know the Nevada Wolfpack is one of the best riders in the Mount West Conference. It is Chris Murray of the Nevada Sportsnet joining us here on the Full Court Press. Chris, thanks for your time. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We are great. Uh, Chris, this is... Uh, listening to Steve Alford in his press conference yesterday, he just kept lamenting that, man, three weeks off and have to go to Utah State is a really tough ask of this team. How much of this layoff is going to affect the Wolfpack? Well, I mean, I think it's not insignificant. Uh, you know, coaches like to build things up and make it sound like the next game is the hardest game in the history of their sport. Uh, you know, he kind of talked before Nevada's game against San Jose State of the makeup game had been canceled, and he was talking about how hard that game was going to be. So there's definitely um, less than ideal circumstances for Nevada because they were playing so well. I mean, they went out and they beat UNLV a couple of times. They beat Boise State twice. So they were coming off four straight wins. They were playing their best basketball of the season, and then – they have their first positive case, and that you know makes them sit out for 18 straight days. They they just ramped up the full contact practice a couple of days ago, so you know they'll have four practices under their belt to get ready for this game. It'd be difficult no matter what because Utah State is good, and that's not an easy place to play for sure. But um, you know I don't think Nevada's going to forget how to play basketball because they had you know 18 days off. They did have a stretch this year where they had 10 days off, and they came back and they beat New Mexico twice by double digits. They had a, a period last year. Which was a really good team. So, um, you know, I, there's some adversity that Nevada will have to face. But you know, if they lose this series, if they get swept, I don't think it's fair to you know blame it on the layoff. Obviously, um, you know, you, you you might lose a little bit of rhythm. You might be a little rusty at the beginning. But if if they lose in Logan, I'm going to credit Utah State. I'm not going to blame it on the fact that they had to pause because they themselves got a positive case. Chris, the this Nevada team. Just want to get your assessment on just how far they've come. They start Mountain West Conference play splitting a series with the Air Force. But then the last thing, the last game that we've seen, the last series they had, they beat Boise State, who's right there at the top. So how, how, I guess, what's the spectrum of this team and how far have they gone? Or was that, are they just kind of hard to put a target on them right now? Yeah, I mean, they've grown a lot for sure. I mean, you mentioned splitting against Air Force. You shouldn't be losing the Air Force this year. I mean, they lost twice at Wyoming. You shouldn't be getting swept by 
Um, there's been downsides for sure, but I mean, Coach Alford's a really good coach. To me, he's the best coach in the Mountain West, one of the best coaches in the West Coast. So despite the fact that he lost four starters and despite the fact that he lost his top four scorers, I mean, you knew he was going to have a good team if given time, and he's been able to develop what is looking like a very strong team right now. I mean, you have to give a lot of credit to Grant Shurfield. Um, you know, he's in the running for Mountain West Player of the Year. He's leading the conference in both points and assists in conference-only games. He's playing very efficiently. He's a transfer from Wichita State who was able to be immediately eligible this season, and without him, Nevada would be in a lot of issues. But he's been tremendous all season. He's been very consistent. He's had a couple of game winners uh, to beat teams right at the end of the buzzer. So um, he's been all you could hope for in a transfer. And then Nevada has a very talented guard right next to him as a transfer, Desmond Cambridge from Brown, um, who's just streaky. He's a streaky shooter, like He'll, he can go out there and hit seven three-pointers one game and the next game not make much of an impact offensively. You know, I think the good thing about both those guys is they're both very good defenders and they're both willing defenders. And then you look at Nevada up front, they have a, a legit seven-foot center in Warren Washington, another transfer from Oregon State. Got a backup center, six-foot-eleven K.J. Himes, is a very good defensive player. So, you know, they probably have the pieces you want to try and beat Utah State, given how much strength you have with their center, obviously. Um, you know, it's a team that, that has had some weaknesses at times shooting the ball. Um, so the offense can be a little bit inconsistent from game to game, but you can beat the best teams in the Mountain West. I mean, they swept Boise State. You look at their series at San Diego State. They lost both of those games, but one of them came uh, on a buzzer beater from Trey Pullman, and the other one was a five-point loss where Nevada was winning with two minutes left to go. So, I mean, they've only played – those two teams among the top tier of the Mountain West since their Colorado State series was canceled. Um, they, they've gone two and two, and all four games came down to the last shot or the last two shots. So um, they definitely have it in them to go out and beat some of these better teams in the Mountain West, like the Utah State, when they play good ball, and they've been able to do that against these teams so far. What are your thoughts on the makeup games next week? And I mean, you, not only do you guys have makeup games, but then one of them gets canceled because San Jose State's dealing with COVID issues. Does Nevada try to go look for a second game? I know they got Colorado State next week, or are they okay and content with the one? Yeah, I think they're fine with the one. I mean, I'm actually writing a story on this right now. I mean, Coach Alford was very complimentary about the Mountain West and Craig Thompson. I know a lot of people have ripped him for having these games being played, probably a lot because of the television situation. But um, as he said, it, the Mountain West was in a no-win situation. If you didn't play any of these games, people would have been uh, complaining. If you tried to make up all of them, they would have been complaining. Uh, you know, the happy medium of, of trying to at least play every opponent in the conference at least once. Um, Steve Alford was completely fine with, as you mentioned, it was a weird situation because it's announced Nevada is going to play one game at San Jose and one game against Colorado State since they missed both of those series. And then the next day, the San Jose State game is canceled because they have a positive case. Um, you would think, okay, well, maybe you can squeeze in two against Colorado State, but they're playing March 3rd against New Mexico on that game where Nevada was supposed to play San Jose State. So I think Nevada will be fine playing its one game against Colorado State March 5th. I think it's good for them to play them at least once in case they have to face them in the Mountain West Tournament so they have a better feel for their personnel and how they match up. Um, you know, it's not ideal for Nevada that they didn't get to play San Jose State at all this year because that's probably two wins. But as Coach Alford said, the fact that most of the teams in the Mountain West are going to end up playing 17, 18, 19 conference games when you look at some of these other conferences across the nation has been a huge win for the conference. And the fact that they basically were able to play a full conference season. Yeah, maybe you lose one or two games here. But um, I think for his team, he'd, he'd like to play as many games as possible just because of this layoff. Um, but I think getting three games over the next 10 days heading into the Mountain West Tournament should be enough for them to try and get back to the level that they were playing at when they did sweep Boise State the last time they took the court. Chris, uh, this is a very you know, unique 
scheduling concept. Speaking of schedules, the way the Mountain West has been handled their scheduling this year with conference opponents, what's been the attitude there uh, with with Nevada and playing the two games in just a few days, and then uh, you know playing the same opponent kind of back to back? Yeah, I mean, Coach Alford's been completely fine with it. I think he was one of the coaches who was pushing it because he just wanted to get in as many games as possible. I mean, the thing he talked about the entire season is the student-athlete experience. Obviously, he was a high-level player, one of the best college basketball players ever, really won a national championship with Indiana. And, you know, he's talked a lot about how these players missed the postseason last year, didn't get to play. Um, They really didn't get a non-conference schedule this year. I mean, Nevada was supposed to play in the uh, Grand Cayman Islands and ended up having to play a couple games in Lincoln, Nebraska, which isn't quite the exact same deal. Um, So he he was like, any way that we can get in the most games and be as safe as possible. And I think the proof is in the pudding. I mean, as we mentioned, almost all these Mountain West schools are playing at least 16 of their 20 games. So I think the scheduling worked out exactly how they wanted it to. Now, not, you know, it hasn't been perfect, but, um, you know, I think he's been really happy with the fact that they've had as robust a season as you could possibly have or expect. Um, and hopefully everybody goes into the Mountain West tournament healthy and there aren't any postponements or cancellations or any issues with the bracket one, once that thing's set. I think if they at least get through that, I think everybody in the Mountain West should be thrilled no matter how many teams they get into the NCAA tournament. I mean, it could really be anywhere from two to five at this point. Um, you'd want to see it higher, and the Mountain West needs it to be higher given some of the NCAA tournament units they've lost over the last couple of years. But um, I think it's been a successful season in the Mountain West, and I, I think Coach Alford would say the same thing just given the difficulties that everybody in the nation has had to face with this pandemic. Uh, Chris Murray of the Nevada Sportsnet here joining us on the Full Court Press, getting us ready for Aggies Wolfpack Game 1. What has stood out to you about the Utah State Aggies so far? I think the defense. I mean, the defense has been spectacular, really. I know there was a little bit of slippage, um, you know, of late against Boise State, maybe not quite playing as well defensively as you'd hope. But, I mean, they're number 20 in Kempon defense, and you'll take that any day of the year. I mean, that that's a great ranking, and the offense has been pretty strong as well. I mean, I think everybody expected without Sam Merrill there, okay, maybe if you play to your potential, you get to an NIT. And, you know, going into last week, this was a team that was in the NCAA tournament bracket, and obviously things didn't go well at Boise State, and that really hurts their chances. But I think it shows you why Craig Smith just got this extension, right? Because he's done a tremendous job uh, inheriting a program that, you know, just wasn't great when he took it over and three Mountain West championships in two years, and in the running again this year. So, um, you know, I think the guards are are really, really strong. There's a lot of depth there. Um, You know, obviously there's been some injuries at the point guard position. If they're not full strength, that's going to hurt them coming into this game. But, I mean, they have the league's best center. They've got some really good guards. Justin Bean is one of the most versatile players in the entire conference. So there's definitely seven or eight really good players on this roster. So the rotation is good enough to go out to a Mountain West tournament and win the whole thing. Um, But I think, including Nevada, I think there are probably five teams that are saying, we're good enough to go out and win this Mountain West tournament. I think that's a fun and exciting thing, because that's the kind of depth that we saw six, seven, eight years ago when the Mountain West was sending three to five teams to the NCAA tournament. And that's where it has to be, to be one of the better team uh, conferences in the nation. And I think Utah State's growth under Craig Smith is a huge push in the right direction for the entire conference. Because UNLV should be good. New Mexico should be good. San Diego State should be good. Nevada after Eric Musselman should be good. Boise State's going to be good under Leon Rice. Colorado State has taken a step forward. And now Utah State is one of the elite teams in the conference. So between those seven or eight teams, I mean, you should think that four to six of them should be NCAA tournament caliber every single year. And it's really nice to see Utah State kind of at the the place where, um, you know, Stu Morrill had this program for so long. Chris, uh, you already alluded to these guys. Uh, great guard play for Nevada, Sherfield, and, and Cambridge. 
having great seasons for the Nevada Wolfpack. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of de- describe to us the, their style of play and, and how important they are to that their team's success right now. Yeah, I mean, Grant Sherfield, if he doesn't play well, Nevada doesn't win. That's how important he is to this team. He's a six foot two combo guard. He was originally committed to UCLA when Coach Alford was there. Coach Alford get fired. Um, they released him from his letter of intent, so he spent last year at Wichita State. And he was an okay player as a freshman. He wasn't anything spectacular, but um, you know, he transferred this year. A lot of weird things going on at Wichita State, and basically every player left. And um, he's just been dynamic. Uh, you know, in addition to the scoring and the the points, obviously. Um, the, the assists have been tremendous. He's got a three to one assist to turnover rate. So he doesn't make a lot of mistakes with the ball. He's very crafty. I wouldn't say he's like this elite level athlete, but he'll get open shots. He's very good in the mid range. He gets to the free throw line a lot. Um, he's a more than willing passer and the assist number is pretty high considering Nevada hasn't hit a ton of threes this year. Uh, when Nevada hits his threes, you know, he's usually in the 10 assist range because he's kind of getting some of those cheap assists, but, um, you know, very long player, which is, you know, led to him being a pretty good defensive player as well. I mean, in terms of Desmond Cambridge, this is a high volume scorer and, you know, he's not going to get to the free throw line a lot. He's not going to put a lot of pressure driving the ball to the rim. He's going to shoot 10 threes a game. And if he happens to have one of those games where, you know, seven of them go down, then he looks great. If he has one of those games where one or two of them goes down, then he doesn't look so great. But, you know, he's a nice lengthy wing, six foot four-ish, um, very athletic himself. I, I wish that he would drive the ball a little bit more because I think he could do that with a lot of success and, and really convert around the rim. But, yeah, these are the two most important players on Nevada's roster for sure from an offensive standpoint, and then they really do spearhead things defensively. Nevada has some other capable scorers. They got Zane Meeks to stretch power forward who's averaging about 10 points per game. Uh, Trey Coleman's a freshman wing player who's averaging seven points per game the last seven games. He's become a lot more aggressive. Uh, Warren Washington and KJ Himes at center. Usually one of those two guys has a really good game. So they've got some other pieces for sure, but it does start with those guards. I mean, those are guys, they're probably going to score 40 points. Now, if they do it efficiently, Nevada's going to win. If they don't do it efficiently, Nevada's usually in a dogfight to be able to kind of, you know, keep up with the other uh, offenses in this conference. I know it feels like we're forever away from the Mount West Conference tournament, to be honest with you, but uh, do you foresee or do you think there should be changes made to this year's tournament based on the teams that could maybe qualify for the NCAA tournament or you know, with COVID issues, or do you think you just keep it as it is, let all 11 go and let all let them go at it? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably just let all 11 go. I mean, if I would have done anything, I probably would have not played any of these makeup games this next week and just said, okay, everyone's going to Vegas. They're all going to quarantine in the same uh, hotel for a week to make sure that there are no interruptions. I don't, I don't believe in trying to game the system to get in more teams into the mountain West. Like I don't think, or into the NCAA tournament. I don't, I just don't think that's fair. Like, you know, and coach Alford's even said that as one of the better teams in the conference, like, you know, you look at Wyoming last year, everybody would have said Wyoming would have lost their first game really easily. They went out and won two games. They played three games in three nights. Like that was a great experience for those guys and they earned it. And, you know, you shouldn't take away that potential from one of these lower ranked teams in the West, just because, you know, you want to get as many teams as you can get into the NCAA tournament. Obviously that's the end goal, but going out there and taking away an opportunity from a kid like Orlando Robinson at Fresno state, who could maybe enter the draft after this year, maybe he goes plays really well. Fresno state wins three games and he helps his stock. That's just not fair uh, in my opinion. And I also think in coach Alford's opinion. So I wouldn't tinker with anything, with the tournament. And I think if you're the Mountain West, you just hope that your best teams play well. And, you know, hopefully you get at least three, maybe four teams into the NCAA tournament 
if everything breaks right, Nevada somehow wins the Mountain West tournament and your other four top teams do some good things over the next 10 days, like maybe you get five. But I think if I had to guess right now, you're probably looking at three Mountain West teams in the NCAA tournament, probably San Diego State, Boise State, and then one of Colorado State or Utah State. Well, this is going to be an exciting week this week uh, for the end of the regular, I guess, normally scheduled season. We've got the makeup games next week, so it's not totally done yet. But uh, this is a big showdown, big series. There have been some great battles between these two teams over the years, whether in the Mountain West or in the WAC. And uh, really, for me, Ajay and Chris, I don't know about you guys, but for me, this points to the potential for another great matchup between these two teams. Uh, so excited to see what happens starting on Friday night. The next game will be on Sunday. So, Chris, appreciate your time and letting us know more about it. Once again, if people want to uh, check out what's going on, with, going on with Nevada, where can they find your stuff? Uh, yeah, just go to NevadaSportsNet.com. I've already put out my position preview for the series. I'm posting some game notes today. I'm going to do a feature on Amos Cueto tomorrow, and then I'll have my, uh, posi- my my predictions and three keys tomorrow as well. So I know everybody back here is excited to see Nevada on the court and obviously Utah State trying to rebound and build up its resume a little bit. And like you said, I mean, there's just been some epic matchups between these teams over the last 15 years when I've been covering the teams that I've enjoyed so many of the games, whether it was Gary Wilkinson back then or Pooh Williams or Stavon Williams or Ty Wesley and, you know, the more recent players, uh, you know, even go back to J.C. Carroll versus Nick Fazekas. So uh, I think these will be close games and, and another fun chapter in the, the rivalry for sure. Hey, appreciate you, Chris. Take care, be safe, and we'll be talking to you soon. Hey, sounds good. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, this is a Nevada team that, that uh, has me concerned because they've got some really dynamic guards and so he led off with being impressed with Utah State's defense. Uh, the Utah State defense got kind of exposed up in Boise. Uh, they allowed 79 and 81 points in their last two games. That defense has to be better. Uh, granted, this is going to be against a different style of player. Um, Alston, a uh, little bit longer. Uh, it poses different challenges. Um, but uh, for Utah State, it's how healthy are the guards? And how well will they be able to keep up with and try to contain Sherfield and Cambridge? Because those are two great dynamic scorers that can really get things going for Nevada. We're well overdue for a break, so we'll take one now. Coming back, we'll get more Utah Jazz and Utah State Aggie talk here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It is Eric France and Andre Salveson here on the Full Court Press. A big thanks to Chris Murray of Nevada Sports Net for joining us here and uh, giving us a nice little preview of the Wolfpack. 3426 texted in, said, Wow, to finally hear an opponent who actually says you have the best center in the league and great young guards as well as the best defense in the league. Great to hear the respect from the Nevada Wolfpack. I agree. I, I agree. And by the way, uh, BJ Reigns, um, I probably shouldn't be saying this over air. But he actually thinks that Namish Ked is the MVP of the league. Interesting. Now, I don't think Namish is going to win it. I think Derek Olsen will, depending on how that San Diego State, which, by the way, that Broncos Aztec series starts tonight. That is a big, big series. Right. For yeah. Olsen and for the team and for the Mount West Conference as a whole. I think, I think San Diego State has a legit contender. Utah State, Boise State. Does Colorado State have a legit contender? Uh, I guess Roddy, Roddy. No. Roddy would be close, but he's not in that. Running, I don't think though. he's in the same 
Stratosphere, Sherfield from Nevada, maybe. But Ajay, I think it's going to come down to what happens over the next seven to nine days. Mm-hmm. I uh, think, it, it, which is really sad. I mean, uh, it's so close. It's such a tight race that a lot of everything else that's been done will only be a sliver of what will be considered when they look at what happens over the next seven to nine days. That's a good point. If Utah State ends up on top or tied with San Diego State, do you give Nimi the edge? Or do you go with... Can they still end up in a tie for first place? Yes. Well, actually, Utah State would own the tiebreaker because they beat them twice. Well, because Colorado State's still in the running, right? And they split with them. So, yeah, I guess... That's well, because uh, I'm trying to pull it up right here. The current standings: Boise State is 14 and three. San Diego State is effectively 13 and three. Colorado State is 11 and three. Utah State is 11 and four. So I guess you're right. Um, San Diego State would, if they beat Boise State twice, and they only have one more game to likely win. San Diego State will win the conference. It's a chance Utah State could move ahead of Boise State. Um, I don't know if they'll get ahead of Colorado State. Probably not. They finish against Air Force and then like one game against Nevada. It's possible Nevada could beat them, and it'd be a tie. So, I don't know, uh, Jay. It, it, I think it's basically what I'm trying to get at is it will come down to whomever is the top team. And I think uh, three of those four top four teams have a legit contender to be the uh, player of the year. And it'll probably come down to who's number one at the end of it. Yeah, he's number one. Yeah. And and again, that's even though I like what you said. It's kind of a shame. Yeah, because look at the player. There's Those other guys are good impact players, not taking anything away from them. But consider what Nimi does offensively, similar to what those guys do. But also defensively, and how he impacts teams on the other on both sides of the of the court. Those guys don't impact the game quite like Nimi does. So when you look at the complete package, it should be Keta. But in the end, it'll go to whomever is the best player on the best team at the end of the season. Boise State San Diego State series starts tonight. How do you think it ends? I'd take the Aztecs. The way they're playing right now. You take them a split or a sweep? Um, I'd I'd get the brooms out San Diego. Do you know what's crazy? I was thinking Boise State sweep. But as we've gone on throughout the week, and I've seen San Diego State play, and I just they've gotten so much better. And Matt Mitchell is is healthy. Uh, Their big men are healthy. Dude, and and so I kind of look to the coaching aspect of it. Leon Rice versus Brian Dutcher, Dutcher all day, twice on Sunday. I just, I think, well, and it's in San Diego. Yeah, I, I mean, don't not know that if the San Diego State thing really much matters. The show, I, yeah, I, I think it's more the fact that it's, it's Brian Dutcher's on one sideline and Leon Rice is on the other. It's going to be a heck of a series. I can't wait for that though. 
All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we'll get back to Moore, the Full Court Press, here on 1069 The Fan. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It is Eric France and Audrey here on the Full Court Press, wrapping up the first hour. Eric, a little bit of NCAA tournament news. If a team has to be replaced... What is the process of doing so? Yeah, we've been wondering this out loud for two weeks. <laughs> what happens if there's an outbreak? What happens? Does the NCAA find a replacement team? Does that team just automatically advance? Do they get the unit that helps? You know, there's a financial benefit sure. if you advance, right? So the NCAA uh, announced their contingency plans for tournament teams if they have to withdraw because of COVID, somehow related to COVID. So... There are, the, the, according to their release, there are a couple of things that they look at. Once the bracket is finalized and released, teams will not be reseeded, nor will the bracket change. Another point, reasonable efforts will be made to ensure a full field is in place before the start of the championship. No replacement teams will be introduced after the championship begins. Every participating conference should have the opportunity for a minimum of one team in the championship field, but replacement teams must be among the best teams being considered for an at-large bid. Interesting. So, uh, one other note, replacement teams will only be introduced into the championship within 48 hours after the announcement of the field and at no time thereafter. Oh, wow. So, they're, they're developing contingencies here, but really it's... From the time that the brackets are announced to only 48 hours later, if there's an, an outbreak that happens or something is within that few those two days, that's the only time they're going to make a change and bring in a replacement team. After that, you go and we see what happens. If you have to bounce, you then you're out and you're, the team advances. They get a bye, apparently. It's crazy. Uh, three, four, two, six, six, and then did they vote? On the or for the player of the year before the tournament or after the Mount West tournament, uh, that could play a huge factor. It will be before the tournament. It is as the regular season is ending, they will then vote for that player of the year. Correct. It is. Uh, it's done. The voting has to be in before the tournament begins, but after the regular season concludes. Nine it's three, a regular season yeah, award. award. Yep. And then nine three one five. If a ghost pepper has more heat than we want the Aggies to be like Eric, bring nonstop heat. <laughs> I'm telling you. Let's do it. I'm telling you. I'll do it. I'll do I'm gonna it. I'm going to go, you know what, during our uh our switch here between the before the top of the hour. Yeah. I'm going to go dig through my drawer and see if, if there's you another have one. I'll eat it and I will not have to drink a, any water at all. Good luck with that. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. And don't forget, the best in Northern Utah, presented by Thermo Fisher, is here. Start nominating the best businesses in Northern Utah, and, be- and businesses must be nominated in order to be voted on by the community for the best of Northern Utah 2021. Now, this reaches from almost every topic possible. You can nominate your business or businesses you love starting now at the bestofnorthernutah.com. Again, presented by Thermo Fisher, who is hiring 
where you go out again to bestofnorthernutah.com and participate in this really cool contest. It is really cool. And Ajay, uh, I don't, I haven't seen all the the nominations that have, that have come in, but I've been told that there were hundreds, hundreds that came in just in the first two days of us launching That's this so on awesome. Tuesday. So um, still great opportunity to and still plenty of time to nominate your favorites. Um, even if it's you, your business and what you do, you can still be nominated. Uh, the other thing that's cool is that the people that get nominated can get voted on. It's not a only a certain number of those who get nominated make it through to the voting round. It's not like that. It's it's different. And the other thing that's different is that there's nothing that's been done like this at this scale. So we're super excited to be doing it. Yeah, it's Best of cool. Northern Utah.com. Again, where you can be a part of this wonderful uh, contest. All right, coming up in the second hour, don't worry, we're going to get back to the Utah Jazz Talk. We had a lot of hot takes from Eric, realistic takes from me. Uh, text messages <laughs> came flying in, so we'll get to those. Uh, Aggies Nevada preview, a little more deeper into it. Uh, all coming up here on the Full Court Press on 1069 FM, 1390 AM, and 1069thefan.com. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Second hour, 5.01, your start time here on February 25th on a Thursday evening. Aggies, Wolfpack tomorrow uh, at 7 o'clock, right? Yeah, 7 o'clock. Is that right? Tomorrow night? Yeah. Yeah. Seven o'clock tip. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Six o'clock pregame here on our sister station on KVNU with Al Lewis. Uh, by the way, we will have a shortened show tomorrow uh, due to Skyview Girls and Boys Basketball we're going to be airing. Yeah, so, that's really exciting. I don't know if we've really talked about that. Yeah. We have, actually we haven't mentioned it at all, and I was just thinking about it as we were just sitting here, that we haven't mentioned it at all. We are going to have a short show tomorrow, about an hour long, if that, actually. Uh, because uh, we're going to turn the airways over to John Newbold and Skyview Basketball. Really cool. Uh, this is unusual circumstances, but we got the doubleheader, the two doubleheaders actually going on uh, here in Cache Valley, Northern Utah. The Skyview girls will play at 5, and the boys will play at 7.30. So we're just sending our guy John there early. Hurricane John Newbold will call both games, uh, the girls' basketball game and the boys, here on the fan. Also, there's a doubleheader happening in Millville with the Ridgeline Riverhawks. The girls there play at 4. The boys will play at 7. Dave Simmons and uh, Nick Zollinger, they're going to call the action for both those games. Doubleheader on 104.5 The Ranch. Now, uh, there are we do know that we're very much aware there are other girls' games going on, but because of other scheduling conflicts with these other boys' games, we, we won't be able to carry those games. Our hope is, as things progress down at next week down at Sevier Valley, uh, the Sevier Valley Center, that we will be able to get uh, more of those girls' games on the radio. So uh, Hurricane John Newbold is going to be going down there next week. He's going to be our our man in the arena for for a couple of days, calling a lot of games. We hope, and uh, so if the songs these teams keep winning, we're going to find ways to get them on the air so you can listen and follow along. Because who wants to make the drive to uh, Richfield? this time of year and hang out for a couple of days. Uh, Sorry, I'm not one of them. But if you want to, we're going to try to have as many of those games as we can here on our family radio stations so you can follow along uh, and uh, and we'll provide updates on Cash Valley Daily as well. So stay tuned for all that. It's going to be an exciting week. 
yeah, it's going to be awesome, and we're happy to do it. We're happy to turn our airwaves over to uh, John Newbold and yeah, give you all a chance to listen to some local high school basketball, which will be really, really cool. Uh, so we want to thank Chris Murray from Nevada Sports Net for joining us in Hour 1. That interview has now been posted, so it's up there for you, to, if you have missed it, to listen to Chris Murray of Nevada Sports Net to be able, as he talked about the Utah State Aggies and the current state of the Nevada Wolfpack, who will be playing their first game in about three weeks um, after a, a little bit of a layoff. and uh, It's kind of funny. Um, i got to pull up the audio, too. But uh, Steve Alford, by the way, Coach Smith will not do his press conference until tonight about 6 o'clock. So as soon as we get off air, Coach Smith will be hopping on for his press conference. So you might miss that. I apologize. We will try and... Uh, We'll try and uh, be able to get some audio to you tomorrow. We'll do our very best. But Steve Alford hopped on the uh, on the mic yesterday and invited the out-of-town media to join and to uh, listen to uh, him and his thoughts on Utah State Aggies. And he brought up, <laughs> God bless Steve Alford, who's a great coach, but, man, he can exaggerate things a lot sometimes. He talked about how it's going to be really tough to play three th- in front of 3,000 fans inside the spectrum. Mm. Uh, Mr. Alford, there will be about... 24, well... I thought it was like 1,600. 1400. Yeah, 1,400 1400. less than that. So anyways, uh, yeah, he may not have been entirely right on that. Um, But uh, so I got a text from Chris after after our interview, and he goes, hey, is there really 3,000 fans? And I was like, no. In fact, I was going to politely interrupt Steve Alford, but I thought I better not do that. So, uh, But we'll get to some Steve Alford audio here in just a little bit. But I want to finish up our Utah Jazz conversation uh, because we didn't get a chance to finish it up. Again, Jazz win last night, 114-89. Over the Lakers, they improved to 26-6 and on the season. Still the best record in the league, and looks like they're going to be marching to that beat as we go into the All-Star break. Clarkson had 18, Bogdanovich had 15, Conley had 14-8-8, and Donovan Mitchell had 13-10-8. and uh, The Jazz had 28 assists on 41 buckets. Uh, LeBron James had 19, Montrez Harrell had 16, and they've lost their fourth and fifth have the, uh, excuse me, they're out uh, fourth straight, and fifth in the last six uh, have the Lakers. And that was without Anthony Davis and without Dennis Schroeder. This team's just struggling to find some breathing room right now without a, a key guy like Anthony Davis and a, and a really a, a secret sleeper in Dennis Schroeder. Well, he's a good player. Uh, I like uh, Schroeder. He was always difficult for the Jazz when he was in Oklahoma City. He was in Atlanta before that. I think he's a talented player. And when he's out and LeBron James is your only playmaker – uh, what happens when LeBron sits? I mean, that that Lakers team has like nobody. I mean, Contavious Caldwell Pope should be able to do something, but um, yeah. But you know what? That's that's for Laker fans and and Laker lovers to to uh, be depressed over. Uh, for the Jazz, they play great defense and didn't let a fringe player get going and fill in the gap. They play great defense. Got the three-point shot going again, uh, and, and just dismantled Los Angeles. Love for you to text into the show four three five three three nine zero three two one. You talk about the Laker lovers. I got one for you, and he is a die-hard Laker lover, and almost to the creepy fact of it. Nick Wright on first things first uh, was on this morning uh, talking about the Utah Jazz, and let me put it lightly for you: he gave them zero credit for what they did last night. If you want to text into the show, 435-339-0321. Love to hear your thoughts on what Nick Wright had to say about this uh, Lakers loss and Jazz win. That's an ad. Hold tight. Uh, Twitter. Groovy little, uh, what was that, ukulele? You know what? Shut it. Nice. Shut it. 
That was I on FS1. Think he's just kind of forcing shots, or Nick, maybe he's just not a good three-point shooter, and we were all very too early on this. Yeah, or maybe this is another thing that we have seen previously, which is I'll go to his last year in Cleveland. Another year, by the way, he played all 82. And the reason I go to that year is prior to this season, it was his single best high-volume shooting season of the year. And look at his month-by-month splits. He finished the season, I think, shooting 36 37% from three, but there was no month where he shot 36 37% from three. It was three months where he shot 40%. And one month, yep. it happened to be January, which would be January, this would be January on normal schedule, where he shot 22%. This is a trend for LeBron. He gets hot for eight games from three, and he's ice cold for five or ten games from three. So the, he's not a 41% three-point shooter. He never was. But he's also obviously not a 19% three-point shooter. But I want to circle back to the Jazz quickly because, Brandon, I think we agree on this. Everyone's going to be on television this week giving the Jazz their flowers and good for them. And they deserve them because they've earned it. I'm very curious to see if anyone actually is going to back that up with. And I think they can win the title (laughs) because I don't think anybody does. I think that everyone that's going to be like, good for the Jazz. We're so happy for you. Quinn Snyder. Donovan Mitchell put respect on his name. The Stifle Tower. Do you see Jordan Clarkson with the ultimate green light? I think all of them are like, and here are six teams I would pick over them to win the title. And I really think it is six teams that people are going to have more confidence in going into the playoffs. So I do think Brandon... Brandon, both LA teams. Just two. Both LA no, teams. No, 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 no. That's it. That's it. That's it. Done. Your list is done. That's no, it. No, and That's the East. And the East. We got to go to the East. Oh, I'm oh, talking the about East, the win a title. League. Oh, the win a title. And, yeah. Okay, and to win okay, the title. Yes, yeah. Yes. So now we can get to at least five yeah, okay. and probably six and in a couple weeks, seven. So good yeah. for the Jazz. It's, it's adorable. You're playing great. No one <laughs> thinks you can win a championship. <laughs> wow. Hot take. See what I mean when I was saying earlier in the show about a lot of ignorant takes? That's a hot take. That's just a, that's <laughs> ignorance. Hey, uh, you know what, though? So uh, blinded hey. by the purple and gold, you can't see anything else. <laughs> Do I need to go back? To just I don't, It's not opinion. I'm just going to go back to the numbers. The Utah Jazz, in the last two weeks, have taken down the Lakers, the Clippers, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Heat, and the Celtics, arguably the top teams in the NBA. And they have taken them down all by an average of 16.7 points. They're not just beating the top teams in the NBA. They're dismantling them. Uh, you know, since you're such a big fan of Nick Wright, one more thing on him. Listen to this. First of all, I do want to give credit to the Jazz. They are currently the best team in the NBA. They're the hottest team in the NBA. If you're a gambler, they have been a godsend. They are 20-3 and against the spread in their last 23 games. And all of those accolades should be mentioned at the end of the season when they have a nice little party alongside the 2015 Hawks and the 2018 Raptors and the 2019 Bucks of awesome regular season teams that have a 0% chance to win the title. 
So it's a nice accomplishment. It's a well-rounded roster. Good job by everyone involved. And their season will end in probably the second round of the playoffs. Now to the Lakers. Cut it there. Uh, and that was a, certainly that is, uh, uh, and I was expressing this last last hour. What do the Jazz need to do so they do not become those Hawks, those Bucks, who had great regular seasons, dismantled opponents, had the best record, but then when it came to the playoffs, they fell apart. The connection to both of those, Ajay, is the head coach, Mike Budenholzer. He developed a great regular season team with the with Atlanta. Eventually, it failed, and he they fired him. He went to Milwaukee. He's developed a great team there, but what have they done in the postseason? How many NBA championships have they been to? Great regular season teams, but not playoff teams. Look, Quinn Snyder, he's in that discussion right now. Great regular season team, but what has he done in the postseason? This is the year they have to try to break that mold. And separate themselves from Atlanta and Milwaukee from when they did it before. Nine three one five. If Ajay was a mascot for the full court press, would he be called I split or way off base? Statement win to make Utah stay one later in the year. Nine four six three. Nick Wright has said on multiple podcasts and on multiple occasions that this whole LeBron spiel is an act. It's a stick he he does because he saw an opportunity to be the guy on TV. Who is in? Who is the LeBron over MJ guy? It's an act. It's his job. He's going to say stupid polarizing stuff because it's part of his stick. Here's the thing to that, though. To counter that, if I may, he's actually went on multiple things and has talked about like multiple podcasts I've listened to. One of them was the, uh, I think, his basketball 2.0 with Bill Simmons, and he, he like he loved up LeBron. And when they asked about like Bird and MJ, he like toned his love down all of a sudden. And so I think at first it was a stick, but then it became like a real love fest for him. I I, I truly think so. But here is what he I, but he did bring up one good thing. He brought up the playoff point. Look, Eric, the Jazz had a three to one lead in the playoffs last year, a three to one lead, and they blew it. And in one of those games, they're up by fourteen, and they fell apart. So maybe this Jazz team isn't like. Look, it's great to be a. It's fun to be a great regular season team. But I want to know what Coach Snyder can do in the playoffs. Like this, and especially this year, the whole let's go to the second round and bow ourselves out is not going to be a good, it's not going to have a good look on them at all. It's going to have a horrendous look on them, actually. It's going to be very bad. They have to get, if they're going to be this good and be one of the top two teams in the Western Conference when it's all said and done after the regular season, they better be in the Western Conference Finals. Or this will be the most disappointing jazz season in their franchise history. Without a doubt. Well, it'd be frustrating. It'd be, that's it'd be no question. It would be disappointing. You think about the times when they were one and two in the Western Conference, and where did they finish? They were uh ninety seven, I think, when they were in Western Conference, they were uh they were one. I think not, or is it 97 there were two? And 98 there were one. We went to back to back finals appearances. You know, you have that uh, 96 season where they went to the Western Conference Finals, lost to the Supersonics in seven games. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a, I mean, in the, the years from 92 to 95, 96, those were just years where they were in the running. They were a contending team, whether they were second, third, or fourth, 
actually third or fourth, I should say, and ran into bus saws like the Blazers. Um, Golden State was really good back then. Houston Rockets were back-to-back champs. Um, and and so I get it, but this team, the way they are winning and the, the wins that they have, if they're this good as people say they are, and they finish a regular season as they won or two in the Western Conference, they better be in the Western Conference Finals. Or this is bad. This is really, really, really bad. Well, yeah. I mean, what you do in the regular season is nice, but what the NBA has proven is that it doesn't matter. Nobody talks about great runs in the regular season. What they do talk about is who who did things in the postseason. So it is fun. It is entertaining. It, it Certainly, you want to try to get the best seed as possible to make your path easy, as easy as possible or as least amount of resistance as possible. That's why it's important to still try to get a higher seed or if, if not the number one seed overall, make teams travel to your place more than anything. But what happens in June is what really matters. So, yeah, uh, I look, I, I think it's fun. It's great how they're doing it. Uh, knock on wood, they stay healthy and they're able to maintain it because it's incredible. I mean, they're setting records. What they're doing has not ever been done before in the NBA. But can they do it when it matters most? When And when the real stars, I mean, like when Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder get back on the court, when Kawhi, PG, and Nick Batum are on the court, can you beat those teams in a seven-game series? If you're this good, let's see you do it. Let's see improve their worth. Yeah. Uh, Fair enough. 3426, I think it's funny the national media, before we played the Lakers last night, we were just a so-so average good system team, and all of a sudden you win against the Lakers last night and you're one of the best teams in the NBA. When do the Utah Jazz get the respect they deserve during the regular season ever? However, I do agree with Salveson, championships are the measure. As my dad used to say, if you keep riding the fence instead of jumping over it, uh, the bob wire will cut you in half. Good. I like that. Ooh, ouch. Uh, speaking of bob wire cutting you in half, boy, we got some major trouble inside of the uh, Utah Jazz organization right now. An accusation was made by Elijah Millsap over Twitter. He says this, and I quote, Almost six years ago on April 16, 2015, Dennis Lindsay made a bigot, uh, bigot remarks in my exit interview while conversing with Quinn Snyder, saying, quote, if you say one more word, and I'm quoting here, so don't yell at me, if you say one more word, I will cut your black A and send you back to Louisiana, end quote. Elijah then continues with his tweet, it's an honor to stand up for what is right in any capacity, hundreds of thousands of beautiful black lives massacred for truth, freedom, and justice, Dang right it sticks with you, but with truth it will never overtake me again. Controlling my narrative and will teach my sons how to stand up and control their own and control their own lives, inspired by the courageous souls who fight for racial equality and social justice daily. Grateful to God for giving me strength along this path and our ancestors for paving the way, showing us how to peacefully protect and stand up for our rights. I'll read the quote one more time. Again, this is as Elisha claims. Six years ago, which would be on April 16th, 2015, Dennis Lindsay made bigger remarks in my ex-interview while conversing with Quinn Snyder, saying, if you, quote, say one more word, I will cut your, I will cut your black ex- expletive and send you back to Louisiana, end quote. 
Uh, Dennis Lindsay then was contacted by ESPN and by The Athletic and, and other publications and media and saying he emphatically denied making such a statement. When Quinn Snyder was asked about it as well, uh, he says that he uh, uh, does not recall the specifics of that conversation from six years ago, but he doesn't believe that then the, the then Jazz GM would use such a language for a player. Quote, I can't fathom Dennis saying something like that, end quote. Um, look, I have never interviewed Dennis. I've had one very brief conversation with him, and I've seen him in person being interviewed uh, when I was working in Salt Lake, being interviewed, and all comments of racism, all comments of bigotry and such, he was very against, extremely against. Um, he used a very harsh tone when talking about racism. Um... He used experiences in his experiences in his life when being around black people, African Americans, whatever the race was, and learning great uh, stories and great lessons from their experiences. Um, I I wasn't in the conversation. I have no idea what the conversation was like with Elijah Millsap, so I don't know if this is true or not. But <laughs> because of re- conversation was i don't know if it was called recorded or not uh but justin zanuck was there to take notes about- oh it's justin zanuck taking notes yes well that helps uh the statement from the utah jazz states the following it's very brief yes it is quote the jazz organization has zero tolerance for discriminatory behavior of any kind we take these matters seriously we have proactively engaged outside of uh, outside counsel to work in coordination with the NBA to thoroughly investigate this matter. We seek a comprehensive and unbiased view of the situation. End quote. According to uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, there will be an investigation immediately. Um, and uh, to I'm looking for Wojnarowski's quote uh, that the Utah Jazz are cooperating in the NBA investigation, of course, uh, which will include sharing of verbatim notes which were taken in 2015 by Justin Zanuck in that meeting and he also states that those notes they will know if they have been trifled with if they have been uh updated or if they have been messed with in any sort of way the NBA will know right they've, they've got a, a we're entered into a database previously they have a forensic investigation team that will know if they've been altered or updated. Um, so it just Eric, this is good, really, man. Uh, it's out of left field. Like, why? Where's this coming from yeah. now? Six years ago, it's happened six years ago. Why didn't you bring it out like immediately? What happened? And I understand you can be too scared, but if it really hurts you that badly, you're I mean, you're reaching out to ownership, you're reaching out to somebody. That uh, that has some kind of say in this matter, and you're telling them, "Look, I just heard this. They just said this to me. Get that matter taken care of immediately. You don't wait six years down the road. Like it just blows my mind. And uh, again, Quinn Snyder and people are gonna say, "Well, Quinn Snyder should remember that." No, Quinn Snyder's been through hundreds of exit interviews since then. Like, he's been through hundreds of interviews. Like, he can't remember exactly what was said. Now, granted, if someone does say that, then you probably, it would stick out to you a little bit, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be like, oh, wait, he just said that. Um, 
Again, there is an investigation that will take place. Boy, this is a big first step for Ryan Smith. A big first decision with uh, a huge matter at hand for Ryan Smith, who just stepped into his role. Well, I guess that depends. It could be a very simple process where it reveals that Elijah Millsap misinterpreted something that was said, or he's... In his but, own mind, he's blown it up to something that it's yeah, not. Yeah, here's the thing. And for the Jazz, when they do this independent investigation, says, look, we've revealed the notes. We've talked to the people who are in the room. It, it, this didn't happen. And this, it, this is an easy thing for Ryan Smith. Yeah, absolutely. But and if again, it reveals that Elijah has some merit with his criticism, then it gets to, that's where it does get difficult for Ryan Smith. <laughs> I... Uh... I, I just, I can't fathom Dennis Lindsay saying something like, I, again, like, you know, people can surprise you, but Justin Zanuck has those notes too. I, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you ride them out. Um, and I'm sure they're going to interview Justin Zanuck and they're going to ask him as well, like, what was said? What did you, what do you know about the meeting? But this is a very, very sketchy line. And again, that just based on the past and according to opposing players and some players that used to play here in Utah, racism and the issue of that has been a thing. But not within the organization. Not like this. This is where it, this is where it gets sketchy. It's where it's in the organization, and it's allegedly against Dennis Lindsay that made these remarks. And if... I, I think what you said was, uh, if it was... Um, not said that way, or if he just took it out of context. If you took it out of con, or not took it out of context, but um, you know, misheard. I don't know how you mishear that. I have no idea how you would mishear that. So Elijah better be darn well telling the truth, or else his credibility gets absolutely crushed through all this, without question. Yeah, I I hope that um, it's a swift. Investigation that doesn't drag on. Um, I hope they get to the truth. I hope they get to the to, that nobody tries to hide something that the truth will win out. That's what we need. Yeah. And then a certain appropriate action gets taken care of if it, if something was in fact said. If it wasn't, well, I mean, what do you do? You just say, look, I don't know what he was, what he thought he heard, but that's not what happened. Yeah, and I think you bring Elijah back into it, and again, you have the notes. You have three people who were there. Um, right. Well, I mean, like, like, just I don't know if 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 it if it comes out know. to be something else, I don't know what in the world Elijah how he gets that quote out of it. No idea. But again, I hope you said like like you said. I hope it's swift. It's quick. This Jazz team is on a roll right now. Best record in the league. Hottest team in the league, without a doubt. Um, you want this to be very quick, done and over with with thorough investigation still being a part of it. This is a well-run organization. I think they've got strong leadership, good ownership, strong veteran players. This team went through something that could have been catastrophic to the fabric of this team's success last spring. Yeah. And they got through it. And they're stronger today because of it. Can they withstand something else? Um, maybe. But you can only take so many major black eyes before you start to yeah. falter. And it starts to be distraction. 
So uh, I don't know what more to say other than hope that the uh, it, this is a thorough and proper investigation and they get to the bottom of it, reveal the, the, the results, and then we move on. Yeah, we get on and deal with accordingly. Absolutely. All right, let's take a break. Coming back, we're going to hear from Nevada head men's basketball coach Steve Alford, who had his press conference yesterday. What does he have to say about Utah State and having these three weeks off? All coming up here on the Full Court Press. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. I just don't get it. Like... Jazz win by 20. Did you see LeBron just dribbling through his leg three times and then bricking a jumper? <laughs> Watch him dribble. Jimbo Slice, we've referenced him many times. I love Jimbo. He's, he's at Jimbo Follow me on Twitter. on Twitter. In brackets, it says, Utah Jazz win the NBA championship. And then he lists what we'd see on ESPN that day. Check out this bomb from Aaron Judge. Highlights from last year's NBA bubble. Hockey has more sticks now. Soccer guy trips. Shorts fall down. Crowd starts fire. <laughs> Marbles enthusiast starts league. Fidget spinners still fun? Basically no reference to the Utah Jazz <laughs> winning the NBA championship. Which is plan on it being how it's going to be like just like that. You know what? I hope that continues to fuel the Jazz and their and their team. Just keep adding more chips onto their shoulder. That's all they need. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of the Aggies, want to give a quick shout out to Namish Keta, who has been named one of the 15 semifinalists uh, for the... Oh, yeah, Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, for... Uh, what's it called? Namesmith? Uh, yeah, Namesmith uh, Defensive Player of the Year, excuse me, uh, which is absolutely spectacular in, in every way, too. I, uh, um, I was actually looking at uh, some of the numbers he had put up so far, and it's just, it's staggering what he's been doing. He, first career, Keta has 184 blocks, and by the way, it's credit to Kyle Cottom, the SID for Utah State men's basketball, uh, which includes a Mountain West best 62 this season. He's ranked fourth in the nation in that regard, and also leads the Mountain West and ranks fifth in the nation with three blocks per game. Uh, when you look at the advanced analytics, or analytics of it all, Keta leads the nation in defensive box plus minus at 6.7. Second in the nation in overall defensive rating at 80.4. Defensive win shares at 2.0. Uh, Keta also leads the Aggies with 14 and just about 14 and a half points, nine and a half boards. Uh, in his last two outings versus Boise State, uh, he combined for 62 points and 21 rebounds. He shot 57% from the field versus Boise State as well. I mean, that's just absolutely fine, uh, just phenomenal. And then comparing to those other guys on the list, uh, which are, there's three guys just outside the Power Five. Uh, Keta is one of only two players with more than 60 blocks and 20 steals. And when you look at the average, Keta has the best combined average in blocks and steals at 3.0 and 1.2 per game, respectively. I mean, just mother of sweet pearl, like, this guy's incredible. Uh, John Hollinger has a piece on The Athletic today talking about um, guys to watch for for the NBA draft and uh, spend some time talking about Nimi. Um, talks about how he is uh, the only major college player in the last decade to average at least two and a half assists and two and a half blocks per game. This is Yes, this is a random combination of two stats, but in this case, it underscores a larger truth. You don't see shot-blocking fives who can distribute like this. 
Keta has become a legitimately good passer to the point that opponents are rewriting the previous strategy of always double-teaming him on the block. And by the way, he's been so good about handling that double-team this year. You could see the vast improvement of him with the double-team. I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal. And so with that, um, Coach Alford was asked about Namiya's Keta yesterday, and he was very quick to heap a lot of praise on the big man. Well, I, I think he played, um, not hurt, but I think he played with a lot of nagging injuries last year. And I think this year he's healthy. Uh, he's in great shape. He's healthy. He's confident. He's coming off now two games of 32 and 30. Um, you know, But he's somebody that can obviously score the basketball very well. I, I love his quickness. I love how he can go right shoulder, left shoulder. Most bigs can't do that. Uh, so he can go either shoulder and, and with a great touch. Um, he's long, he gets to the rim. You, you say, don't let him dunk it, and that's almost impossible. He finds a way to do that. A great rebounder. Um, he's a very good passer. A lot of bigs, if you look at stats, a lot of bigs have more turnovers and assists. He's got more assists than turnovers. So if you're going to trap him, you're probably giving up an open shot in rotation. You know, So it's like picking your poison. Um, and, and then he gets three and a half blocks a game. So he changes what you do offensively. He changes how you're going to guard. So when you got one person that you're trying to set your defense around and you get that same person you're trying to set your offense around, that's a pretty special talent. And um, I think that speaks volumes to how he is as a player. So then the question becomes, well, how do you – take care of Keta, and do you have confidence in your big man to be able to handle the situation? Well, I think what we've got to do, um, and again, we got to be patient. Uh, I'm not playing for three weeks. we got to be patient. But we were really getting good rhythm with those guys of not getting in foul trouble. So we've got to continue that. And there's the you got to be in good position not to foul. So how we position, how we help those bigs are going to be uh, essential because we got to give help. It can't just be one-on-one. And so they've got to stay out of foul trouble. They can't give up angles. Uh, but then I think it's going to be on all of us from a rebounding standpoint. I, I think maybe the best thing they do is rebound the basketball. They're they're one of the best 10, 15 teams in the country that that really do a good job on the backboard. That's defensive rebounds as well as offensive rebounds. So, again, that affects. we got to take good shots at one end because we're not going to get a lot of second shots. And then at the other end, we got to really be fundamentally defensively, but we can't give up two and three shots because the two and three shots lead to – dunks fouls or kick out threes and they do a very good job of punishing you that that way on the backboard so here's my question does nevada take the blueprint of what boise did and say make me beat you because those guys aren't hitting those jump shots right that's just what i was wondering is you know how much of that will they try to adopt themselves that like you're their big man um i don't know I don't know who that's going to be. I, Washington, I guess. Warren Washington. Is he going to be the guy that's going to have to try to contend uh, with with Nimi, or is it going to be Zane Meeks? Um, but do you just let them try to defend one-on-one and do the best that you can, um, but uh, everybody else is going to have to stay home with who they're guarding? Because, look, Keta was able to feast down low and got big numbers – but as a team, the Aggies weren't able to do quite as much. Uh, I mean, the Aggies still scored in the 70s. They still put up numbers offensively. I think their problem with Boise State was more what they weren't able to do defensively. But uh, it, it's a risky gambit for Nevada if they want to run that. Uh, just let uh, just go one-on-one with your guys or stay home to your area if you're going to go zone. And um, just try to hope that Nimi doesn't eat you alive too much. 
<laughs> I love the word you use, hope. <laughs> That's kind of been the case for a lot of teams so far. Uh, and then also for just uh, with this team, another excuse me with Steve's thoughts on Utah State. Another thing that's impressed him is the depth that Utah State has, and it starts with Bean and Ked, of course, but there's also more guys that have an impact on what Utah State's done so far this season. Well, I don't see it as a slide. Uh, you know, they had to play at, at Boise, which is is not easy, uh, and Boise's really good. We've already played Boise, so they're really good. I, I just think Craig's got another really good team. Um, I think Bean is a great leader. He's somebody that's been a part of a lot of the success they've had there. Keita. Uh, has been a part of a lot of that success there and is a premier player in our league. And, you know, I, I think when you look at this team, they're fundamentally sound. Um, they're one of the best defensive teams, not just in our league, but in the country. Uh, they're big, they're physical. Um, you know, the, the parts that have been added, Anthony and uh, Worcester, we think will probably be back for our game. Um, he's been out for a while with the foot injury, but um you know, when you get a, you got Anthony who can really do, I think they're about seven, eight deep, um, you know, and those seven, eight guys really know what they're doing and they're hard to score on and then they're hard to guard. So um, coming off three weeks and now you got to go do this, it's, it's not an easy test, uh, but it's one that we've got to go put our best foot forward and, and see what happens. But this is a, a very, very good team that's very hard to play against in their building. And the problem for them is that they're going to have to deal with it, you know, with three weeks off. And we, we, we kind of look back and I remember, you know, with the three weeks off that the Aggies had, you brought it up as a big concern. Like, there's going to be a lot of rest on the Aggies going to Boise State. That is a tough thing to handle because you can get up as many shots as you want, but live game action you can't incorporate into sh like shoot around or just even like a light scrimmage. And that's been the problem for... Well, that was the problem for the Aggies going into the Boise State series, and I imagine it'll be an issue for Nevada coming to Logan. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They haven't played. When's the last time they played? It was uh, February against Boise. That was the early part of the year of uh, February. That was yeah. on uh, February seventh. So almost twenty days. Yeah, sounds about right. So uh, a couple of things on that because he was asked about it a lot actually of. Of how in this having this kind of a break, but but the biggest worry for him going into Utah State and playing in Logan is yeah you know it's it's unfortunate because we were playing really well. Um, I thought the young guys were really starting to click and under part of part of youthfulness is understanding how hard you have to play uh, to understand the efficiency of executing at both ends. And we were really at that point uh, the highest we've been all year. I thought we played really well, two games against UNLV, two games against Boise, and we were really starting to see some things. And the unfortunate part is it hit us at the end of the year. Uh, some teams like UNLV, it hit in December. Um, so it's just, it's hit all of us except Air Force. Um, but we're a very fortunate league because it looks like everybody's going to get 16, 17, 18 league games in, which if you look across the country, that's not happening in most leagues. So we've been very fortunate that way. But it's tough to get shut down at this point. We saw it last night. Baylor, um, one of the best teams in the country, really struggles against Iowa State, who's, um, I think, last in the Big 12 at home, uh, and they win right at the end. And and, and it, when you have three weeks off, you just don't know. And, it's again, it's part of a year that's not normal. They're, at no point 
have us as coaches or players taking three weeks off in February. Uh, it just doesn't happen. So we've got to be patient as a, as a staff going to Logan. Um, you know, not that we don't know what to expect, but when you haven't gone up and down um, in the in the routine like you're used to in February, because I, I think once you hit February and March, you're you're either really beat up uh, because of injuries or because of a great, a really difficult schedule, bad travel, those type of things. You're either beat up or you're really hitting your stride because you're in the best shape you've been in. And I think that's where we were uh, on the seventh of February. But now where we are now, that that's hard because you, you took seven complete days off in quarantine. Uh, and then we have, and when you come back off quarantine, it's not like we can get them out there and go five on five body on body contact. We need three days of gradually getting the guys into that. So it's just a different process and uh, it's different, but uh, I like our guys mindset. They've been tremendous through the whole thing. Uh, they've been positive through the whole thing. Um, and they've really worked hard on and off the court. And I'm very appreciative of that. Again, it's the rest that's going to be an issue for Steve Alford and his crew. Uh, and one more thing that I want to get to, Eric, unless you have anything on about the rest? No. Okay. Uh, one thing I wanted to get to is uh, with – he said that their team did nothing during the week that they were off just because, I mean, you couldn't. They, they weren't allowed to. Uh, he says the team is healthy, though, so far. Um, and that he was proud of his players and the way they've handled the situation – and then he asked about he was asked about the two games next week, and you know it's kind of funny. Chris said the same thing. Like all all coaches weren't going to be happy if they didn't have any games. All coaches weren't going to be happy if they were scheduled with games. That's just how it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, nobody was going to be happy with that situation. And so, um, it's 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 a difficult one for Nevada and Utah State's been dealt with it too. They're not the only team, in Nevada. Um, I think I think all but what San Diego State hasn't really had to deal with the issue too much, have they? Just a long layoff. Uh, San Diego State's had disruptions. Did they? No. Okay. Maybe I missed that then. All right. Uh, so that is Steve Alford. We'll have Craig Smith tomorrow. His press conference starts in about 15 minutes, so we'll jump on that here in a little bit, and we will bring you the audio tomorrow. Um, we've also posted the rest of oh, the entirety interview or the press conference of Steve Alford on our website, 1069thefan.com. You can find it there. Uh, we'll do the same thing for Craig Smith as soon as we're finished with that, and you'll hear from him tomorrow on our show. Yeah, this this is a Nevada team that's hungry. Uh, they they had some nice momentum coming into uh, before they had to shut down uh, with wins over UNLV, their in-state rival, over Boise, the top team in the conference. Uh, they were able to beat them in the by a bucket in game one and by eleven points in game two. So they had confidence. Going into uh, where they were, and then they had to shut down with their series against San Jose, and they didn't have their series against Colorado State. Yeah. So they've been off for a while. Their game against the Aggies isn't until the tail end of the week. Um, but Utah State it has uh, some frustration and angst with how things went against Boise State. So they've got some frustration they want to take out on Nevada, too. So it needs to be a statement game for Utah State that they are to believe in themselves that, look, we're. We're a better team than that. We're still a contender in the Mountain West, and we can still beat good teams in this league. And we still should be considered among the, the top. So it's a big game for them tomorrow night. Again, game time's at 7 o'clock pregame. Uh, is pregame at 6 o'clock? Is pre-game's that right? at 6. On KVNU yep. uh, with Al Lewis. Uh, and then you get the postgame with John Russell and Al Lewis. Uh, Jalen Moore will also be involved in that 
come to. So uh, make sure you tune into Always that. Always really good stuff. You'll be flipping the dial like crazy tomorrow night with high school basketball in pre-game basketball and post-game basketball. So you'll be sitting next to your radio. That's okay. Grab a nice cup of hot chocolate and your favorite snack, whether it's ghost pepper jerky. We're supposed to get a big snowstorm Friday. Are we really? Yeah. Nuh-uh. Stop Just it. curl up, turn on your radio, and follow along. Okay, every time we say we get a, we're going to get a big snowstorm, it's like two inches. <laughs> Just telling you. All right, coming up next, pick six here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Breaks are completed. We'll wrap it up here on the Full Court Press for the second hour. And tonight's show, we'll get you ready for, again, a shortened Saturday or Friday show. Uh, we'll be on for like less than an hour, actually, as John Newbull will be calling Skyview Girls and Skyview Boys Basketball. Skyview Doubleheader. And then Ridgeline has right a, here on the fan. Ridgeline has a doubleheader as well, right? Yes, that will be on 104.5 The Ranch. Girls game starting at 4, last I was been told. And boys will play at 7. So stay tuned. Get ready to wet your pants. You're going to love it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Wow. That exciting. <laughs> are you not excited? Westside and Bear Lake are playing right now. Speaking oh. of doubleheaders, uh, in Preston is part of their District 5 tournament in 2A. And then Preston plays Pocatello later tonight. Um, again, these are opportunities to advance to the state uh, tournament. They have these district tournaments first. But uh, Westside and Bear Lake are playing now, and then uh, Preston will play a little bit later on tonight. We'll have scoreboards on CashValleyDaily.com, just so you know. All right, Eric, it's that time. It's time for everybody's least favorite game. Pick six. By the way, where's the freaking gift? Here, right here. Ow, ow. Oh, yeah. Get in my belly. What is it? Oh, it's beef jerky. Oh, I just stabbed it with a pen. This might be... You're cool. trying to open it? Here, yeah. I, I even came prepared this time. Oh, that was nice of you. Yeah, you have to describe what it is. Because last time I had to sprint down the hall with a knife. <laughs> just running down the hall with a big bread <laughs> a big knife, nonetheless. <laughs> it was like longer than your arm. Whoa, calm down. Uh, it is root beer habanero beef strips. Yeah, since you liked that habanero uh, last time so much, I thought I'd give you another. Unfortunately, I didn't have another ghost pepper because I would have preferred to give that to you just to see you cry. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't cry. There's no crying in jerky. All right. <laughs> All right, pick six time. Pick six. Let's get naughty. Your turn. All right, uh, Utah Jazz, they are on the road. They play Miami, and then they play Orlando. Okay. Some of the games they have this weekend. Uh, Jazz in their game against Orlando. Jazz by 12 and a half. Take the over or the under? Over. I'm going to take the over. Should have been more aggressive. Yeah, I'd say so. Because this Jazz team is so so mediocre to you. Um, let's see. Namiya Keta blocks in game one against Nevada. Two and a half. Over. What's go? What's wrong over there, AJ? You're like nothing. You're having a hard time keeping it together. Nothing. I'm fine. It's no. It's no water. Can't do any water. Uh, then my last one. No, Max- that was just for the ghost pepper. We didn't. We didn't detail it. <laughs> You're like sweating over there. I'm not sweating. <laughs> trying I'm to fine. man it out. I'm fine. All right, last one. Uh, Max Shulga minutes. Over. 
in game two versus Nevada. Ten and a half. Under. I'm going to go over. Okay. You can You are crying. No, over I there. am not you crying. You can't even see. I am not crying. I just took, I took off my glasses because of the screen. I've been staring at it all day. <laughs> you can't admit the heat. I no. I'm not crying. I just been staring at the screen and it's bright. The brightness <laughs> is like really bright. All right. What are your three lines? <laughs> you can get snooty with me. We're running out of time. Oh, you're running out of time. Uh, let's see here. Let's do. Uh oh, Steve Ashworth made threes in game one versus Nevada. Set the line at two and a half. Hmm. Uh I'm gonna take the under. I'm gonna take the over. Okay. Uh Namish Keta rebounds. Twelve and a half over under. Which game? Oh, sorry. Game one. Twelve and a half? Yep. Uh, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the over. Okay. And then... Uh, ooh. George Niang missed threes. Versus Orlando. Four and a half. I could go under. He likes to shoot. Uh, I'm going to go under. We need a tiebreaker. Okay. Game uh, two? Score of game two, Utah State versus Nevada. 81-65, Utah State. Okay. Interesting. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say USU... Well, that's aggressive score. I'm going to say USU 75 and Nevada 69. Nice. 69. All right. That's game two, right? That, that's game two. Okay. Absolutely. It's in ink. <laughs> it's in ink. Can't change it now. <laughs> game two. Game one is tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Pre-game is 6 o'clock on KVNU. Don't forget Skyview Girls and Boys Basketball will be on the station. That will start at 5 o'clock. Ridgeline Girls and Boys Basketball will be on 104.5. Uh, and then you can find all the recaps, of course, on CashFillyDaily.com. And photo galleries included. Should be great. For Chris Murray, for Eric France, and I'm Audrey Salveson. We appreciate you listening to another edition of Full Court Press. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.